God, it's good to declare together this morning uh, these truths that Saj and the team just uh, sang for us and over us, and we joined our voices with them. It's good to know, God, that um, this peace, this joy, this life that you offer is based in truth. It's not based in kind of a, a feeling or a notion or some kind of um, you know, pseudo-spirituality, but it's, it's based not just in truth, but in a person, uh, the person of Jesus Christ. And so together, we sing those words, God, I believe. Not just believe with our minds, but trust with our hearts and with our lives. We place our lives in you and on you, and, and we do that because you are king and God and risen to new life. And we're grateful that we now, as your children, are risen to new life in you. We praise you. We thank you. And together, the people of God said, amen. Well, listen, uh, welcome to Bayview Glen this morning. My name is uh, Lucas Cooper. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad to have you here this morning, enjoying some warm weather this weekend, enjoying a three-day weekend as, as well. Um, I had an interesting weekend. Amy uh, went to visit her aunt. That's, that's my wife. She went to visit, for those of you who don't know, she went to visit her aunt uh, Thursday morning, and she left the house at about 7 a.m., and then she got home last night at about 6 p.m., and so that means for the last 48 hours, it's been me and Kaya. And so uh, I am glad to report to you that your OHIP dollars were, were used very well this weekend with Kaya. She, um, you know, I... I, I that's not true. Um, she actually survived the weekend with just, with just daddy and daughter time. So um, her shoulder, she'll get full use of her shoulder at some point. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I don't know about, about you, but uh, for, first of all, for those of you parents that you're home with the kids uh, all the time, I, I, I come here and go to work, but Amy's home with Kaya all the time. Gosh, I have just a newfound respect for you. And for those of you who, uh, like me, you work and you go away, uh, don't we relish those times, right, where we get to just, just us and, and the kids, whether you've got one like I do, she just turned a year a couple weeks ago, or whether you've got, um, you know, a, a basketball team like, like Dave does, uh, whatever it is, um, whatever it is, it was, it was a fun weekend. Listen, a, a couple of things just from my perspective uh, that you need to know about going forward here, and then we'll jump into the passage this morning. The first is this, uh, uh, as we launch back into kind of a new ministry season here, our choir is kind of ramping back up. So next weekend, uh, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. right here on our campus, uh, we're doing a choir workshop. If you want to be a part of the choir this year, if you can kind of carry a tune in a bucket, which is uh, more than I can say for myself, you are welcome to participate in the choir. Uh, you can sign up just outside the choir room doors, which is just outside those doors and way over to the right on the far end of our foyer uh, this morning. We just need to know uh, how much food to have and that kind of stuff for you next weekend. So if you're wanting to be a part of that, then, then, then let us know. Uh, by doing that this morning. The second thing is we're kicking off kind of our youth program for the year, September 16th, which is uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Uh, so junior high and high school students in the room, anybody in junior high and high school? Good, nobody, perfect, there you go, all right, good, a couple of you, cool, so uh, next, uh, next, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, up in the gym, we're kicking off our youth program for the year, and we got those big sumo suits, have you seen those big sumo suits that you get in and fight sumo, and those big boxing gloves, we got that, we got life-size Jenga, so hopefully someone gets hurt, you know, we got the Jenga that's like this big, and so we're going to do that next Wednesday, I think they also got the sumo suits for the choir kickoff as well, so that should be a lot of fun. For the choir to do that. So uh, just, just to let you know, 
One quick uh, error that we need to fix in the bulletin as well, uh, the Awana registration is on September 18th, not September 17th, and that's it in terms of uh, just kind of some, some housekeeping items. So today, we're continuing our series called Connect, and our goal in this series is to help you take the next step of connection here at Bayview Glen. Whatever that next step is for you, we want to help you take that next step. So last week, remember, we established that defining our vision is absolutely critical when it comes to this process of connection. The Bible actually says that without vision, the people perish. Without vision, we step all over ourselves. Without vision, we're like a boxer without an enemy that's just punching at the air. So we must have a vision. But we don't want a vision just for vision's sake. We want a Godward vision, a vision that moves us towards the heart of God, a vision that compels us, that drives us, that changes things. And that type of vision, Godward vision, is rooted in compassion, refined by the needs that we see in our community, and realized in prayer. And so we looked at Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2, and we saw that Nehemiah's compassion for God's people, and then he identified a need, and then we saw him seek God in prayer. And in uh, that compassion and need and prayer, God gave Nehemiah a vision to restore Jerusalem. Uh, but God didn't just give Nehemiah a vision, he also gave Nehemiah a strategy, a specific way in which he would contribute to restoring the capital city at Jerusalem, and that would be building the wall. Ezra renewed the focus on scripture, Zerubbabel built the temple, and Nehemiah built the wall. So Bayview Glen's vision, our mission, just like Nehemiah's vision, is rooted in compassion, refined by the needs that we perceive in our community, and realized in prayer. And here it is, it's real, it's real clear, it's this, glorify God, foster community, and make disciples. Real easy, real straightforward. Would you, would you say that with me, actually? Glorify God, foster community, and make disciples. One more time. Glorify God, foster community, and make disciples. This is who we are. This is our heartbeat. This is what we're about. This is our vision that's rooted in compassion, refined by need, and realized in prayer. But not only that, we have a strategy, a specific way in which God has given us to accomplish this vision, and it's worship, community, and training. Worship, community, and training. The worship piece is what you're sitting in right now. Community is our small groups that happen throughout the week, and they're kind of different iterations of that, and it, they're just designed to help create opportunities to help facilitate Christian friendships. And then that training piece is equipping you with the specific tools you need to live an authentic Christian life. Those are the three things that we do in, in order to help us uh, achieve that vision to accomplish the work that God has called us to. So here's our goal for today. That's our review from last week. That's what we established last week. Here's our goal for today. I want to invite you to make a formal commitment to partner with Bayview Glen Church in accomplishing that vision. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to make you feel obligated. I want to extend to you an invitation to make a formal commitment to partner with us, with Bayview Glen Church, in accomplishing that vision. For those of you who are brand new with us today, or you've just been attending for the last couple weeks or months, you're going, oh my gosh, he's asking for a formal commitment today. I am not talking 
to you. Uh, maybe I will be down the road, but right now we're just so glad that you're here. But for those of you who have maybe been here for a little while and you call Bayview Glen Church your home and you worship with us, maybe you even serve in a different area of ministry, we would like to extend an invitation to you today to make a formal commitment to partner with us in accomplishing that vision. Now, I want to tell you right from the jump today that what I'm going to talk about this morning in terms of connecting to that vision is going to signal a shift in thinking for almost all of us. It's going to signal a shift in thinking for almost all of us because many of us, uh, lots of folks in my generation, by the way, and younger, we don't want to make a formal commitment to anything, do we? Like when I was in college, I, I couldn't make a formal commitment to changing my sheets or like doing my laundry, okay? Much less a church, much less an institution. But here's the good news. For those of you who maybe are reluctant to make a formal commitment to an institution, we're not talking about an institution today, are we? We're talking about an organism, not an organization. We're talking about God's people, the church. You did not come to church this morning, believe it or not. You are the church. And you brought the church inside the walls here at Bayview Glen, our physical campus where the church gathers. And so when I extend to you this invitation to make a formal commitment, you, are making, you would be making a formal commitment to people not an institution, to people. But the second group of people that this might signal a shift for in terms of thinking are people like me who grew up in church. For those of you who grew up in church like I did, I've been in church since I was just a little guy, this is going to signal a shift in thinking for you because get this, today I'm going to propose that we move away from using a very familiar word for church people and start using different language here at Bayview Glen. And, and I'm, everybody listen close here, I'm even going to propose that we change our bylaws in order to reflect that change in language. And we're going to vote on those bylaws in about three weeks on September 27th at our annual general meeting. For those of you who are members of Bayview Glen, we have an opportunity to do that in three weeks. So we're just going to give you a heads up here that we're going we're to try to shift the language here at Bayview Glen. And it will be reflected in our bylaws, hopefully, when that comes to vote in three weeks on September 27th. So it's critical that you pay attention this morning. For more than a year... Our elders and our pastoral staff have been working hard to define what it means to make a commitment, a formal commitment, to join with Bayview Glen Church in accomplishing the vision and the work that he has called us to. We read a book called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. I highly recommend that book, by the way. We prayed, we deliberated. A small group of us did a whole lot more reading, and we produced some documents, and we prayed some more, and we sought counsel, and we prayed some more. And then last Tuesday night at our elder meeting, our elders unanimously now, unanimously affirmed that we shift our language in order to reflect what the Bible calls us to when it comes to participation in a church community. And here's the word that I want to cross off from our vocabulary and the word I want to replace it with. Are, are you ready? Everybody, 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 you're panicked, aren't you? You're panicked. Here's the word I want to cross off. I want to cross off the word church member. And I want to replace it 
with ministry partner. I want to cross off the word church member and replace it with ministry partner. Now, before we go any further this morning, it is so critical that you know this. I grew up as a church member. Like I said, from the time I was a little guy, I grew up as a church member. In fact, how many of you know the the part of the country that I was originally born in the U.S., eastern New Mexico and west Texas? Anybody know that area area of the country? Okay, so the joke in that area of the U.S. is that we have more church members than we do people. And it felt that way sometimes. It did. It felt that way in church because that's just kind of the culture that we grew up as church members. Everyone in my family growing up was a church member. They still are. Amy and I are members here. So I'm not trying to dog that word member. What I simply want to do today is present a case to you for a biblical concept, and then I want to suggest that we change our language in order to reflect that biblical concept. And here's the biblical concept, and if you're jotting down notes, you want to jot this down. Here here it is. Here's what we're going to unpack all morning this morning. We are partners in the ministry God has called us to. We are partners in the ministry God has called us to. I think it should be up here on the screen. We're partners in the ministry God has called us to. And because I think that language matters, in other words, what we call something reflects and shapes our view of it and concept of it, I'm going to make a case, again, a case that our elders have unanimously affirmed this last Tuesday, that we shift our language away from membership and to ministry partnership in order to more accurately reflect what the Bible requires of us when it comes to participation in a church body. Sound good? Okay, good. All right, perfect. All right, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, that's kind of where we've been hanging out last week, and we'll spend the rest of our time in this series, Connect, hanging out in the book of Nehemiah and watching Nehemiah accomplish the vision that God has called him to. Nehemiah chapter 2. Remember that Nehemiah, who was once in exile in the Babylonian Empire and then in the Persian Empire, has returned to Jerusalem that's now broken down and burned by fire, and he's returned to Jerusalem in order to fulfill the vision that God has called him to fulfill, namely, rebuild the city wall and restore Jerusalem. But upon returning to Jerusalem to engage in that work, a couple of chuckleheads named Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem begin to mock Nehemiah and mock the people and the vision that God has given to them. And look how Nehemiah responds in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. It's up here on the screen. He says this, Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his, say that word with me now, servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. That's the last verse of chapter 2, verse 20, and then moves on to chapter 3, verse 1. And we'll get there in a minute, but before we get there, I want to call your attention to that word servants. Because that word servants is absolutely critical in the story of Nehemiah and throughout the scripture, in fact. In order to accomplish the great work that God had called Nehemiah and these people to, those who were engaged in the work didn't need to see themselves as members of a nation or those who had been freed from exile or even those who were blessed by God. They had to see themselves 
first as servants. Servants. That brings us to kind of our first bottom line truth this morning. When, when it comes to accomplishing the great vision and the great work that God has called us to, accomplishing great vision requires great service. Accomplishing great vision requires great service. This work that God has called us to, to glorify him, foster community, and make disciples, it requires us to serve. And again, this is a critical term. It's a key term throughout the scripture. Let me just give you a picture of how often that word servants or service is used. Uh, The Old Testament calls the righteous person a servant in Psalm 119. Calls the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's servants of the Lord in Exodus 32. The Old Testament applies the word servant to Moses in Deuteronomy 34, Joshua in Judges 2, Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, David in 2 Samuel 7, Solomon in 1 Kings 3, and Job in Job 1.8. That term servants becomes a way of identifying the prophets like Abijah in 1 Kings 14 and Elijah in 2 Kings 9 and Jonah in 2 Kings 14. That word servants is applied so often in the Old Testament to the prophets that that phrase, my servants or thy servants or his servants, becomes a frequent formula for referring to God's prophets in the Old Testament. Four servant songs in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 52, refer to the Messiah himself as a servant of the Lord. The Apostle Peter refers to himself as the servant of God in 1 Peter 2. Paul does the same in 1 Corinthians 7 and Ephesians 6. Most frequent, however, is the title servants of Christ. Paul describes himself this way in Romans 1, Galatians 1, Philippians 1, as do James in James chapter 1, uh, Peter in 2 Peter 1, and Jude in Jude chapter 1. That word servants appears from tip to tail all throughout the entire scripture. And in the New Testament, the word servant is one of two Greek words. The first is doulos, and that would be translated bond servants in most of the scripture that you would be reading right now in terms of the, the, the translation you'd be reading. The other word that's, that, that means servants or that word servant in, in the original Greek is diakonos. And it means or it's translated into the English as minister. Minister. Now, we typically use that word minister to refer to an individual who works at a church, right? Like, we have a minister at the church. His name is Lucas. We have another one. His name is Dave. And they're professionals, right? But that's not how the Bible uses that term minister. Look up here on the screen. Let's look at the dictionary version of minister, the dictionary definition of ministry. It simply means the act of serving. Ministry is simply the act of serving, and that's our call throughout the entire scripture. Our call is a call to serve each and every one of us. For those who built the wall with Nehemiah, they were his ser- God's servants, not Nehemiah's servants, God's servants that rose up to build. For the patriarchs, for the prophets, for the apostles, for the early church, and yes, even Christ himself Each of us is a minister, a servant, servants of one another, servants of God, servants of our community. If you follow Christ, you are called to be a servant, a minister. Accomplishing great vision requires great 
service. And that's our call, to be servants, to be ministers. But we're not meant to minister alone. God designed us to work together in partnership, to minister in partnership, to serve cooperatively, to work side by side to accomplish the vision that he has for us. So jump back to Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Remember, chapter 2, verse 20 is the last verse of chapter 2. So we're just going to keep reading chapter 3, verse 1. Look what happens here. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son, son, son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassaneah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, repaired. Jump down to verse 14, just because I think it's funny. Malchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Hakarim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and bars. Just FYI, if we ever have to rebuild a wall as a church, I call no dung gate, okay? My family and I, you heard it here first, we will not be repairing the dung gate. All right, finish it off, uh, the rest of verse, uh, verse 31, the rest of chapter 3. After him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and one of the merchants opposite the muster gate and the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. This is the whole chapter, Nehemiah 3. That's all it is, is Nehemiah naming each and every servant of God and each and every section of the wall that they came together and served cooperatively to repair. 45 different sections of the wall are mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3, including 10 different gates. And there was significant opposition to the work, but because the people of God served together in partnership with one another, they completed the entire wall in 52 days. Someone after service next, uh, last week came up to me and said, hey, you didn't tell us whether Nehemiah completed the wall or not. I'm like, well, it's, it's right there. Go back and read the text, right? They completed the wall in 52 days. Nehemiah chapter 3 tells us each and every servant of God that worked together in partnership to accomplish the vision that God had called them to. God's people working together to accomplish God's purpose. Nehemiah could not have done this alone. Eliashib, it's mentioned in the first verse, the high priest and his family could not have done this alone. Ezra could not have done this alone. Zerubbabel could not have done this alone. This great vision required great cooperation on the part of God's people, his servants. That brings us to bottom line truth number two today. Bottom line truth number two is great vision. Accomplishing great vision requires great partnership. It requires the servants of God working together to accomplish the work that God has called us to. Accomplishing great vision requires great partnership. Again, let's go back to the dictionary. Let's go back to the dictionary and look at that word partner because I love the way the dictionary defines it. And the dictionary does a great job of defining words because that's what it's there for. All right, partner means this. A partner is one who is united or associated with another 
or others in an activity or sphere of common interest. Partners are united with others. Partners work together. Partners are cooperative. They are united or associated with another or others in a sphere of common interest or activity. Partnership is coming together. Partnership is working together. Partnership is serving together. And that concept of coming together, working together, and serving together is all over the New Testament as well. I just want to mention a couple of verses so you know that this concept is throughout the Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45 read, th read this way. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Do you hear the partnership there? Working together, serving together, united together. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Some of my favorites, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all explain that each Christian, each individual, each, each follower of Christ is given at least one spiritual gift for the edification of the body in order to minister to and serve the body. God even gave us spiritual gifts, each one of us, in order to minister to one another in partnership. I could go on, but the entire Old and New Testaments are chock full of examples of God's people serving cooperatively, ministering in partnership in order to accomplish God's vision. Now, why does this matter? Why does it matter that we would see ourselves as partners in ministry rather than members? Why is that critical? Why does it make a difference? What would it change if we understood that together, Bayview Glen Church, each of us, is united together for a common purpose and we are partners in the work that God has called us to? Well, in order to kind of illustrate what that might change about our mindset and about our participation, I can't help but think of some of the places where many of us are, are members. Some of you are members at a country club. Some of you are members of a home, homeowners association. Some of you are members of a wine club. Some of you are members of a car club. Some of you are members of a secret society. Anybody a member of a secret society? Raise your hand if you are. Let us all know that you're a member of a good. Nobody, because it's a secret. That's why. I'm not a member of any of those things, by the way. Not a member of a wine club, country club, car club. I am a member of a gym, by the way. I am a member of a gym, and here's how my membership at a gym works. I moved to Toronto two years ago, and I researched what gyms were available. I evaluated the goods and services they offered. I took a look at the member dues that I would have to pay, and I determined which one would be the best for me, and I signed up. And now that I'm a member at this gym, now that I pay dues, I expect that they render the goods and services that I pay for. I expect that the hot water works. So, <laughs> so when the water main on steels breaks, I don't blame Markham. I blame my gym because I pay dues there. I'm a member there. 
I, I get upset when I can't shower after my workout, as does Amy, by the way. I expect that the equipment works because I'm a member there. I expect that they have clean towels for me when I arrive because I'm a member there. And if they discontinued the goods or services that I pay for, what would I do? I'd take my membership down the street, wouldn't I? I'd relocate my gym membership. But I have a buddy, uh, actually right this second, just kind of, he's in the midst of opening a gym back in Phoenix. So what if I partnered with him to start that gym? What if I partnered with him? What, what if I wasn't a member there? What if I partnered with him to start that gym? What would change about my mindset? What would change about the way I engaged if I was a partner and not a member? Well, when the water broke... I wouldn't complain or blame, I'd work to fix it because I'm a partner. When we had dirty towels, I'd wash them because I'm a partner. When the equipment is broken, I would work to fix it because I'm a partner. And listen close, this is, this is critical. I wouldn't do so because I felt obligated, but because I was working out there and living there just like everyone else was. I would see it as my home. I would see it as something that I contribute to. I would see it as something I have a voice in. I would see myself working in partnership with others to make it the best gym that it could be because I'm a partner, not a member. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do at Bayview Glen. As we prayed and deliberated as a board, we wanted to create a situation where we all work together to accomplish the purposes that God has called us to. All hands in the middle, contributing what God has entrusted to us in order to accomplish his vision. And then, and then we wanted to wrap language around that concept so that our language reflects the situation and the context that we wanted to create, and that language is ministry partner, serving together to accomplish the vision that God has, has for us and has called us to. Now, three things in terms of logistics, in fact, four. No, th yeah, four. Four things in terms of logistics, and then I want to wrap this up. Current members of Bayview Glen. You might be thinking to yourself, Luke, I like this. I really do. I like this shift in language. I've been a member here for a while, and the word ministry partner is actually a more accurate description of what I've done here for the last however many years. I contribute, I serve, I'm a partner in ministry. You know what, I actually uh, read through our members list th this last couple of weeks, and for those names that I read on there, they aren't people who pay dues and expect that goods and services are rendered to them. The members here at Bayview Glen are indeed partners in the work that God has called us to. These folks who are members here in a lot of ways have put the church on their back and walked us through some very difficult times and some times of blessing. They are indeed ministry partners. But if you think to yourself, look, I'm a, I'm a current member and, and, and I'm okay with the, the language shifting to ministry partner. In fact, I, I kind of like that. Am I going like, to have to take a class that's like an 18-month class and then give blood to become a ministry partner? Is that what's going to happen here? No, 
No, that's not what's going to happen here. If we affirm this shift in language and this change in our bylaws three weeks from now at our annual general meeting, current members will just be designated as ministry partners. It's just, it's just a language shift, all right? Second thing, so current members, please don't panic on this, all right? Prospective members, prospective members, those of you who have been here for a while and you would like to make a formal commitment to Bayview Glen to partner with us in the ministry, the vision, the work that God has called us to. First, we are thrilled that you desire to do that. Second, the way you do that is just call the office. I want you to know that just for me, this is just me personally, is like, you know, this whole idea of, of, of a formal commitment with a body of believers, we want to walk you through some values that we've got. We want to just kind of talk to you a little bit about our statement of faith and what it means to work with us to accomplish the purpose that God has called us to. So if you would like to do that, and again, today's message, today's sermon is simply an invitation to do that. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to do that. We would love for you to take us up on that invitation. All you got to do is call the office and all the contact info is there in your bulletin. Uh, for those of you who are thinking to yourself, uh, do I have to make a formal commitment to attend here? Do I have to be a member to join with this congregation in worship? No, you don't. You don't. We are so, so thrilled that you're here. And at some point, we would love, to, we would love for you to join us in this work that God has called us to, to glorify him, foster community, and make disciples. But you are more than welcome, not just welcome, we are thrilled that you're here. And finally, and just one item in terms of logistics, and like I said, and then we'll wrap this up. On your way out today, we've made some packets available that include the rationale for ministry partnership for that shift in language. And, and it, they've also got kind of the proposed changes to our bylaws. They've got the current bylaws on the left, and they've got the revised bylaws on the right. So Anyone is welcome to one of those packets. Grab one per family, please, because we just kind of uh, want to minimize the copies we made just to kind of be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. But especially current members, it's critical that you read through that. And listen to me. Listen, everybody look at me. That you pray. That you pray. But you don't read it. Don't just take that information in. Go to the Lord with it in prayer and come prepared. Do your homework, essentially, before the annual general meeting in three weeks, as we hope to, and prayerfully, my goal would be that we shift our bylaws in order to accurately reflect what God has called us to here at Bayview Glen Church to be ministry partners and not just members. Let's wrap it up here and then we're going to sing one more song to close. In the early church, there was no such thing as membership. New converts were simply baptized and thus recognized by both fellow Christ followers and by the surrounding community as having made a formal commitment to a congregation. The collection of those individuals represented the local expression of God's church. Now, the way that we do church has kind of changed, hasn't it? Like the early church didn't have videos and sound systems and those kinds of things. But the mission, the vision remains the same as it was 2,000 years ago. We are still a community of Christ followers who is on mission to and has a vision to glorify God, foster community, and make disciples just like the early church. 
And for that reason, Bayview Glen Church invites Christ followers to make a formal commitment to join with this local body of believers in pursuit of that mission. And we desire to call this formal commitment ministry partnership rather than membership simply because we feel that membership carries with it some connotations that we would rather avoid. Typically members pay dues, so on and so forth. I talked about that. Rather, and this, this is it's just so critical, we want to create a situation. We want to pursue a vision as a church where we all commit together in partnership link arms, metaphorically speaking, in order to serve one another, serve our community, and ultimately serve God. That's ministry. And we desire to call that formal commitment ministry partnership. Thus, ministry partnership is the avenue by which individuals make a formal commitment to join with Bayview Glen Church in our vision to glorify God, foster community, and make disciples. All are welcome to worship and connect at Bayview Glen. Ministry partnership is simply the means by which we open that door. The ministry, partnership, ministry partners of Bayview Glen would make up our governing body. We would commit to pray for one another. We commit our resources in order to pursue God's vision for our church. But perhaps most importantly, being an active, engaged, committed contributor and partner with a body of believers is a critical aspect of your growth in Christ. Servants together and partners in ministry and in the work that God has called us to. And our simple invitation this morning is that you would connect to Bayview Glen in that way. Let's pray together. God, simply in a moment of um, prayer and reflection and even honesty before you, I just want to say that I know that for many in this room, this shift in language might feel a bit uncomfortable. Because for a very long time, we've been calling ourselves uh, church members. And again, there's nothing wrong with that word. But God, I pray that you would even, um, God, it's not the language for me that, that even is the key piece. <laughs> the key piece for me, God, and, and I really feel like for you, is that we see ourselves as co-laborers, partners, cooperative servants. That this great vision that you've called us to requires great service and it requires great partnership. And so, God, would you see each of us, or not would you see each of us, would you cause each of us to see ourselves as partners in ministry, co-laborers for the kingdom? God, we desire to be a church that opens our arms wide to our community, that includes each and every one. God, that's here to declare your great grace and your great love for the nations. God, we desire to be a church that's on mission to give you glory and attention, create opportunities for people to connect and train disciples for the task at hand. God, unite our hearts together as a body. God, that we wouldn't let distractions rule the day just as Nehemiah 
resisted distractions. That we would simply dedicate ourselves to this ministry, this work, this call to serve. And that we would do so together as a body united in partnership. We love you and we praise you now and we give you thanks. And we declare your greatness here in our midst. In Christ's name, God's people together said, amen. Hey, let's stand together and sing about the greatness of our God.